You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 50 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking Industry 4.0, Automation, and Technology with Holger Durak, Director of Sustainability and Digitization with the Danish Meat Research Institute, a division of the Danish Technological Institute. DMRI's internationally recognized experts develop solutions for the meat industry and provide domestic and international consultancy and training on process design, productivity improvement, product quality, and hygiene to abattoirs and processing companies. Holger leads a team of 20 in DMRI's Sustainability and Digitization Department, which has an annual turnover of 3.5 million euro. The department's main goal and focus is to help the meat and food industry from data generation to decision making. The center develops IT system solutions and image-based equipment for measuring the slaughter quality of animals for classification and sorting purposes, as well as for classification, quality control, and identification of foreign bodies. Before joining DMRI in 2011, Holger worked in various management positions with Unomedical and Danfoss Bionics. He also spent a year as a head of section with the Danish Ministry of Research, where he focused on the country's national research strategy. He is an inventor and co-inventor on 20 patent applications. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Holger. I'm delighted to have you as a guest on the podcast today. Oh, thank you very much, Julie. It's an honor, and I'm thrilled to be here. Well, you know, let's just start off pretty slow and easy here. Can you give us a little background on the Danish Research Institute? Yes, of course. Well, actually, our history started back in 1954, where the Danish slaughter industry was much less consolidated as it is today. So these many small slaughterhouses, they uh, actually started us as an open innovation initiative before the term was really coined. So they joined together to join forces to make innovation and research together. And in 2009, the Danish Meat Research Institute became a part of the Danish Technological Institute as a division. And the Danish Technological Institute is a self-owned organization. It's not for profit, and it's founded to support the Danish industry. And apart from DMRI, we are, well, we own all seven divisions covering a broad range, manufacturing, construction, materials, energy environment, et cetera. Now, what do you guys do in the sustainability and digitization department? Well, we mainly work in what I would call, broadly speaking, animal-based protein, but with an emphasis on the pig sector, which is the large meat sector in Denmark. It's mainly pigs. And yes, well, as you mentioned, we develop measurement solutions and IT systems. And I'd say that we are active in most of the value chain, including breeding and primary production. But again, with an emphasis on what takes place in the slaughterhouse. And also sustainability, the way we see it, that also covers animal welfare. So that's part of sustainability. At least the sustainable meat industry needs to be aware about animal welfare. Well, how did you get involved with the organization? Well, as you mentioned, I joined uh, DMRI as a director in, in 2011. So I've been here for 10 years now. But prior to that, I had absolutely no experience with the meat industry, let alone the food industry. So it was a pretty steep learning curve for me the first years. But I imagine I 
was had based on my uh, sort of technology oriented R&D qualifications and my experience within business development. Well, what do you find most rewarding about your work with uh, meat producers and processors then? I find it very, very stimulating to work with industry because in my experience, they are very, uh, the industry is very entrepreneurial and dynamic and innovative. At least that's what I experience in the Danish industry. So there's a strong belief in the potential for improving profitability and also working conditions uh, through innovative technological solutions. So that means that we have a lot of opportunity to run very exciting, innovative projects. And if uh, there's a good business case and a short payback time, industry will implement these solutions. So I think that's very exciting. Well, I think it's an exciting time too, as we kind of push forward with digital transformation, particularly in the meat and poultry processing field, because it's an area that I think that the meat industry has pioneered a lot of technological solutions over the years, sometimes out of necessity, you know, more than just being dreamers, you know, about using technology. But here in the U.S., digital transformation, there's been a slower adoption, you know, than in Europe. Do you have any advice for U.S. meat processors who want to make the case for introducing Industry 4.0 technologies into their operations? Or or maybe just even want to move their existing automated systems to a higher level of data connectivity? Well, I really think that the driver for digital transformation has to be uh, the good business case. It's not something you do for fun, I would say. It can be quite expensive, so you need a good business case return on investment. That has to be the driver. And I'm sure that the reason, if the US is lagging behind in digital transformation, I think probably you haven't had the same drivers as we've had in Europe and especially Northern Europe with our very high wages, labor wages. Yeah, so I think the driver for digital transformation has to be a good business case. I mean, the industry is a, it's marginal profits, right? It's very competitive, free market. So again, business case. Well, what's been driving the Danish pig industry, for example, in adopting these more advanced, you know, digitalization projects? Well, I think initially, uh, one of the drivers has been how to use the carcass in the most optimum way. So the Danish industry, we export about 90% of our production of the pork that we produce in Denmark. Uh, 90% is uh, exported and, and we export to different markets with uh, different requirements. So uh, the UK has been uh, traditionally a big market for us and Japan, but also other East Asian countries now, Korea, China. And all these markets have different requirements. And the Danish industry has been very successful in addressing each market with its requirements with the appropriate products and using the right carcasses to produce these different uh, products. And to do that, you need infrastructure to measure the carcasses, to sort them, manage production, so traceability systems, physical infrastructure, and IT systems to do this. So I think that's been uh, the first and one of the major drivers for digitalization in Denmark in the Danish industry. And another driver is, of course, automation. And as I mentioned before, this is Northern Europe. We have uh, high wages. So there's a strong driver for making automated solutions, for automating processes. And probably even more so in the future, we'll have even more automation. It's 
not only uh, high wages driving this now, it's also a challenge in attracting talent to the industry. You know, staffing the operations is uh, becoming difficult. Um, there's also more turnover in staff, which is expensive because you have to train them and that's costly. And less experienced staff will be less efficient and also give up more poor quality and less yield. So in many ways, uh, having a high staff turnover is, is very expensive. So if we can automate even more, we can solve that problem. Well, I mean, your group is doing a lot of really innovative work in all of the areas we were talking about in the introduction. And so I think you're the perfect person to ask what's new and exciting in image-based measuring systems. And because I know your unit does a lot of development work in this area, you're doing CT scanning and vision technology for things like carcass classification and quality control and identification of foreign bodies, which is always really important. So do you want to give us a little scoop on what those imaging systems are, how they're being developed and what your state of the art progress is? Sure, Judy. I'd love to. Well, first of all, CT. We've been working with CT for many, many years now. And originally, we started working with the CT to improve our calibrations of online grading equipment. So to give you a bit of background in Denmark and in many places in Europe, the lean meat percentage of the pig of the hog carcass is measured using ultrasonic equipment that measures along the back of the pig. And these measurements are used to uh, predict the total meat content of the carcass. But it is a prediction, so we have to calibrate this equipment. Previously, this calibration took place by making manual dissections of the carcass and then using uh, these manual dissections to build a calibration model. But now we can make a virtual dissection based on the CT images of the scanned carcasses. And that is better. It's more precise. And of course, it's also less expensive. Uh, and we can reuse these carcasses that we've scanned for other purposes as well. For example, we can virtually cut and debone the carcasses to make virtual products that we can use to calculate the yields that can be used for production follow-up purposes and also for pricing purposes. And they can also be used for assessing the genetic material for breeding companies. And we've done this, of course. And I could also mention that we've also, and that was quite challenging, done it for salmon breeders, yes. where we've been, we have a number of times now scanned thousands of fish at a time that we uh, scan and automatically uh, analyze to make so that we butcher, that we slaughter them virtually to obtain the fillet yields. And then the breeders can use this data to select which fish they want to breed on. I mean, that sounds, that's very progressive. And I'm wondering, what's your next steps? What's your ultimate vision for where CT scanning can go? Well, our ultimate digitalization vision, you might say, is to have a CT scanner in line in production, because that would give, you know, the full 3D information of the tissues and their distribution in the carcass. And that could be used both for, you know, the ultimate grading purposes, you know, finding the lead meat content and also its distribution in the different parts of the carcass. So really use that to select how to use the carcass optimally. But it would also be the ultimate solution for automatic uh, deboning processes, this kind of information. And actually, we have built such a prototype online scanner, CT scanner, where our target application was for pork middle deboning purposes, actually selecting both selecting which products to produce from this middle and then deciding how to cut the middle in two. Unfortunately, the business case didn't turn out attractive enough, so it's not being commercialized yet. 
But we still think that CT, online CT, could really be a game changer. And I know that there is a lot of interest in the beef sector now for applying CT for, you know, sorting beef primals. Not so much for automation in the beef sector, that's more manual, but for, you know, sorting in quality sorting beef, I think there's uh, probably a lot of money in being able to do that better than we can today. Wow, that's really great. And, you know, where are you guys at with vision technology? Well, Julie, vision technology for the meat industry is currently being boosted by the advent of deep learning technology, which is a major enabling technology for applications in the industry because it's very suitable for handling the uh, inherent biological variation. So we are working on several very interesting projects at DMRI where we apply uh, deep learning. So deep learning is basically a neural network technique, but it's a neural network with many, many more layers than originally. That's the big difference. And it's been uh, developed for, among other things, to do image analysis. So deep learning could be used to do image, so recognition of of, uh, people, recognition of cats, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You might have seen examples of that. But it's also very powerful for applications in the meat industry to, for example, recognize different types of products or uh, recognize uh, foreign bodies, for example, uh, could also be applied for that. And one of the uh, very interesting projects that we are running right now is looking on how to uh, support or automate veterinary inspection in pig slaughterhouses, where we use deep learning and multispectral vision. So uh, not just usual color cameras, but there's also additional wavelengths. And the driver for this project is that it's quite expensive to do manual inspection. You have to educate veterinary inspectors and they need to rotate. You can't do inspection for too long a time. Then you need to rotate to another job function. So it's, it's quite expensive for the slaughterhouse. So if we could develop a tool to assist in the veterinary inspection or maybe even automate some of the process, that's very interesting. So our strategy in the project is to focus on the sort of frequent remarks that, you know, frequent observations that need to be registered and in that way release, uh, you know, time for doing more complicated uh, assessments. So if we can take the frequently occurring remarks, that could be uh, checking for scar tissue, pulmonary scar tissue or stuff like that. Then we could uh, free up time for the operators to do other stuff. So... That's really exciting. And the exciting part of this vision technology using multispectral imaging is that you can address those questions of biological variation in carcasses in the meat industry, which is a big, I mean, that's a big winner if you can get that done, right? What other kind of projects are you doing that address that? Well, the first one that comes to mind is a project that we are running to actually do process surveillance on the kill line in pig slaughterhouses. And the challenge in the kill line when you do process surveillance, if it's automated uh, processes, is to know whether if the process fails, is it due to the equipment or is it due to biological variation or maybe a previous process that has failed? So the idea is that we monitor the carcass prior to the process that we are surveilling and we look at the carcass and do a quality inspection after the process to uh, assess whether the process has been successful and then we compare the two and then we apply uh, statistical process control tools to you know assess whether the equipment is in control or not based on this a process might fail just you know randomly but if the frequency of failure where it should have been successful becomes too high or if it fails consecutively a number of times, then we can react 
And we can do this fast, of course, when we monitor every time the processes occur and we have eyes on it all the time, then we can react faster. And then this way we can avoid you know, quality reductions and also yield loss. This is something that the uh, Danish slaughterhouses are very excited about. And we're running this currently in one slaughterhouse. Hopefully we'll be rolling it out in several Danish slaughterhouses next year. So we try to cover all the processes on the kill line, and we do that not having cameras uh, between every process, but at strategic points, so we don't have to have so many cameras in the slaughterhouse, but we place them strategically, and then we can cover all the processes, so that's pretty cool. So what are some of the benefits of the data that you're obtaining from that project? Well, as I said before, the process surveillance solution helps to reduce yield, loss and quality reductions because we have a faster intervention when problems occur. So basically what this does is it enables uh, what is called condition-based maintenance. So instead of running until breakdown or doing sort of a scheduled maintenance, we can actually monitor what's happening and then do the maintenance when it's needed. But the data also helps to get a, a better understanding of what is going on in production. And to this end, we have made a kill line digital twin because it helps you know, visualize the data. So this digital twin is a, a real-time copy of the production, digitalized. So you can, via your computer, walk around in the production, and you can see each pig that is actually there, and you can click on it and get relevant data. So the supplier, the gender, every, all the data that we have on the pig. And also you can click on process equipment and get information about uptime and whatever data you have on this equipment, you can do that. So in this way, managers can digitally walk through production via their computer screen in their office and get an overview of what's going on. And the idea is also that you know if you have had uh, something not running as smoothly as you would have liked in production, then you can also go back in historical data and you can sort of rerun what happened in production and find out what was the real root cause of what maybe went wrong that day. So this is something we're working on with, uh, again, a Danish slaughterhouse, and we'll be um, implementing very soon online, real-time at this slaughterhouse to you know, investigate the value that can be achieved with uh, such a digital twin. Well, what advice do you give customers in the meat industry about implementing data management systems or you know, extracting information from those data sets that might be generated by the IIoT sensors or the automated equipment itself? Well, again, implementing data systems, my first advice would be to be sure and clear about the business case, about what you really want to achieve. And I think that if you're clear about this point, then that will help a lot in decision-making about whether or not you want to do this and if you want to do it, what the system specifications should be. But I also think that in general, we will see more and more use of data in our operations. So if you want to go that way, you probably should prepare for infrastructure with more data capacity than you perhaps would originally think. And I think this includes both the network bandwidth and data storage and data processing capacity. How can a meat operation be more strategic about building in that IT infrastructure? Well, I definitely think a strategic consideration is how much IT infrastructure you want to have locally and manage locally and how much you want to have cloud-based. And of course, the advantage of going cloud-based is uh, ease of scalability and of course, less maintenance. But of course, there is the question of reliability and speed of cloud connections. So I think for production critical applications, you might consider local infrastructure. 
So, Holger, what do you think are the biggest challenges and opportunities for meat plants as they adopt more automated systems or IIoT technologies? Well, I think it's important to be aware of the organization's ability to acquire, implement, and operate new database technologies and processes. You know, even if you use good consultants and technology suppliers, I believe many companies will need to recruit new types of staff. For example, uh, data scientists that can help in specifying and adapting to the new technologies. I think this might prove a challenge, you know, both attracting the talent and adapting, you know, the current company culture. I think a big opportunity that can be realized with new digital technologies is a more flexible production with higher yields, and better quality, where the raw material can be used more optimally according to uh, different customer and market requirements. Even in Denmark, with high labor wages, the raw material constitutes by far the largest cost component. So using raw material better for higher priced products is very important. I also think that automation will become increasingly important due to uh, difficulties with staff recruiting and turnover. And uh, finally, I think that uh, increased demand from authorities and customers and consumers for more traceability will also drive digitalization in meat production. Well, you know, I think that's exactly where it's headed. And it sounds like DMRI is doing some really advanced and forward work. And I hope that our listeners will take a look at you guys' website and catch up with some of these developments that you really are driving that digital revolution here in meat and poultry processing. And I want to thank you, Holger, for taking the time to share those insights with us today on Meeting Pond. And listeners, you can find out more about the Danish Meat Research Institute's work at www.dti.dk slash DMRI. There you could read more about the International Research and Innovation Center and how DMRI assists the meat industry in achieving a competitive advantage by incorporating Industry 4.0 strategies and technology into their operations. Also, be sure to check out our thought leader profile, Autopilot, featuring DMRI's Executive Vice President, Lars Henriksen, in the December 2020 issue of Meeting Place Magazine. The article is available in the Digital Magazine Archives on our website, www.meetingplace.com. And visit our website to access our digital magazine archives and our technical article archives and podcasts to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our Industry 4.0 Connect newsletters. We'll feature an article on automation and innovation written by Holger in the February issue of that newsletter. So be sure to check it out. Thanks again, Holger. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you, Julie. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net. <laughs>